0: Welcome back to the 5-Minute Recap. I'm David Scales, and today I'm recapping the 2018 Corona Bali Protected. These 5-Minute Recaps are brought to you by Fanatic.com. Fanatic is a fin subscription service. You pay 10 bucks a month, maintain a queue on their website, and they mail you your selected fins to your house. You can use them as long as you want, mail them back in their already stamped envelope, and then they send you the next set of fins from your queue. It's the easiest way to instantly expand your quiver. Boards feel entirely different with different fins. Fanatic has every fin from every major brand. And they even sell used fins at a reduced rate if you find something that you want to keep. So for only 10 bucks a month, it's really a no-brainer. You can even get that first month free by using our promo code, PODCAST, which also directly supports this show. Sign up. Fanatic.com. Promo code podcast. Thanks. Start your watches. Your five minute recap starts now. The 2018 Corona Bali Protected, a new name to not exactly a new event. 2013 was the last time we had a CT event in Bali, and that event too was held at Karamas. The next event in Bali will actually be held within 48 hours over at Uluwatu, the site where they will complete the previously postponed Margaret River Pro. The Corona Bali Pro changed its name to Protected one week prior to the event launch to call attention to the horrendous trash disposal problem that plagues the island, much of which ends up in the ocean. Throughout the event, competitors were picking up trash while walking in from their heats. This event marks a number of important shifts in the 2018 season in regard to who still has a mathematical shot at the title in regard to progression and in regard to all-star performances both by the commentary team and the judging panel the entire first week of the waiting period was blessed with swell and favorable tides during the windless mornings and nearly the entire men and women's event ran in head high often barreling right handers idolo's backside spin to combo for which he earned a 10 in the semi-final against jordy smith will be the wave that is the most viewed of the entire event but it distracts from the fact that power surfing is not only as relevant as ever but it also consistently was scored highest throughout the entire event jordy's nine four three against connor coffin in round three all of Michelle Bérez's eights and nines throughout the event, and even Idolo's consistently high scores were mostly for a series of radically fast, perfectly timed smashes through the lip. This reward for power surfing was also the reason William Cardoso made the semifinals despite constant falls, double checks off the bottom, and poor wave selection. Once he connected with a section, his power is absolutely undeniable. Really, it's only rivaled by Jordy and Michelle Beres, who semi finaled and finaled respectively. Gabriel, Zeke, Caroline Marks, and Lakey Peterson all also showcased impressive displays of power. This event crystallized the strength of this new judging regime head judge Pratamo Arendt would assess the conditions daily and publicly announce precisely what the judges would be rewarding. This practice isn't new, but the adherence of the surfers and the follow through of the judges provided a brand new level of clarity for the viewer. The judging was precise and consistent. And perhaps for the first time I can remember, almost completely predictable. I could watch a surfer complete a ride and successfully predict the score. Now, there was also a consistency and predictability in the waves themselves that really helped facilitate that, but this event serves as a template for what we should hope to execute in every event throughout the season. The consistently high-quality waves and judging further served to accentuate the spectacular surfing. There were many heats starting in round three that were supremely exciting and tightly contested, Griffin Colopinto and Matt Wilkinson, who did a rodeo to secure a score midway through the heat and then hold the lead until the final five-minute mark when Griffin needed an 8.23 and absolutely blitzed a wave with a combination of power and air to secure an 8.67. Super exciting heat. Michelle Perez and Zeke Lau's power-surfing extravaganza in round three. Julian Wilson waiting for scores on the black sand and hearing that he got nipped by Mikey Wright by only half a point. Super exciting. John John Florence held the laziest of leads and fell on five out of his nine waves against Jesse Mendez, who ultimately got a one-section opportunity with one minute left, threw everything he had into a spin which he landed albeit with a layback recovery and ultimately scored the mid five point score that he needed to beat John John and also reject John John's third consecutive world title campaign on the women's side. Progression was not found above the lip, as I expected to see from Sylvana Lima, Joanne DeFay, Carissa Moore, Lakey Peterson. There seemed to be a certain conservation and a desire to not blow great opportunities, and they opted instead for rail surfing. And it was perhaps a really wise choice because, as I mentioned previously on the men's side, the, the rail surfing and the power surfing is what garnered the highest scores. Progression on the women's side, however, was found through turns, and in regard to power, releasing it into slides, namely by Tyler Wright and Carissa Moore. There was also a new dogged ferocity and competitive spirit that seemed to be driving some of the athletes on the women's tour. In post-heat interviews, winners Steph, Lakey, Tati, and even Sally spoke with a healthy amount of ego and bravado and a lack of lauding for their opponents, something that's been commonplace in past events. Steph even said about Tati uh, and her position going into their quarterfinal heat, quote, "'Tati's doing fine, but I'm doing better.'" Unfortunately, Stephanie said that just before losing to Tati in that quarterfinal heat, which admittedly went flat. So Steph entered this event in first place, and she surfed with her trademark fluidity, but she never really fought her way through anything. Sally Fitzgibbons, on the other hand, finally made a return to world-class form, not only surfing brilliantly, but getting the best barrel of the entire event and, repeatedly, drifting fins through the lip, And again, she also just fought for it. She always shows tenacity, so it was nice to see her surfing and her connectivity with the ocean finally return to her world-class form. She ultimately lost to eventual event winner, Lakey Peterson, and Lakey narrowly beat Tyler Wright in that final. Lakey deserved to win this event, and she earned the Jeep Leader's yellow jersey, which she stripped from Stephanie Gilmore. There was a major point of difference for Lakey in every heat she surfed throughout the event, and that was the placement of her turns. She'd place her big frontside carve under the lip in the steepest bowling section of the wave while every other competitor was aiming for the open shoulder. And when cracking the lip, she drives straight into the biggest section of a pitching lip rather than angling for the softer edge. It was critical surfing like no one else was even approaching. Even Tyler Wright, who rampaged her way through the other side of the draw, nearly every one of her power turns was placed on an open face, mostly so open that she'd actually wrap back into the whitewash. She's super powerful, which again scored high, but not critical. Lakey exhibited power on edge, a critically fine balance that simply stands in stark contrast to what all of her other competitors are doing. And again, all represented through where the turns are placed. Lakey heads into Uluwatu in first place. Only two women have actually won events this year. Two event wins for Stephanie Gilmore and two event wins for Lakey Peterson. They're also both still in the quarterfinals of the Uluwatu Pro. On the men's side, it's a little too early to really assess real title implications. There's still a lot of guys in it. Julian got dethroned from first place down to third. Idolo is now in first place, and Felipe is still in second. Michel Bérez moves up three spots into fourth place, and the Rookie of the Year race tightens with Griffin Colapinto in seventh and Wade Carmichael in eighth. Jordy Smith broke his string of 13ths by semifinaling with unrivaled frontside surfing at Karamas. You could probably argue that Michel surfed as well, but not nearly as well-rounded. Jordy showcased all the power of Michel, but with much more variety, stomping big airs and controlling fin blasts with a fluidity and casualty that belies its difficulty. In fact, he only narrowly lost to Idolo by two-tenths of a point in the semifinal heat, despite Idolo earning a 10-point ride. We will also see Jordy over in round three at Ulus, hopefully in the same form. Jordy, by the way, also got tangled up with Gabriel Medina in a full contact paddle battle, which Jordy won and uh, then discussed in his posting interview. That was a highlight of the event. I've got it on uh, Instagram at Surf Splendor and then on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So in an event full of highlights, nobody produced more highlights than Idolo. And he delivered them with a pacing and progression that ensured that the most spectacular of them took place on finals day, where he peaked in the final itself with an 18.87 heat total against Michel Beres, and this actually also marks Idolo's second win this year in the 2018 season, the other one being at Bells Beach. He simultaneously is one of the most powerful surfers on tour and one of the greatest aerialists. He's also the fastest, and his timing serves to accentuate all of those things. There's also an element to his routine backside snaps that I think gets overlooked because of his speed and precision. And that's the fact that he's actually releasing and sliding across the coping through the rotation of what is cleverly disguised as a snap. He does it almost every time. Rather than pinning his turn against the lip and then pushing the fins through, he'll often slide with the lip either across the coping or actually off the wave itself, finishing the rotation as he lands and then catapults into a bottom turn. It possesses the judging criteria within one turn, speed, power, and flow. It's the reason why Idolo is leaving this event in the Jeep Leader's yellow jersey. Hopefully we will see him continue that prowess in the lefts at Uluwatu, which is where I'll see you next across the Buket Peninsula and within the next 48 hours. Stop your clocks, that's the five minute recap of the Corona Bali Protected.